So, you guys know that each week we've been uh, in this series. We did put it on pause for a little bit to talk about cultural issues and everything that the commie pinkos are trying to do to destroy our nation. Uh, but we are back on target here with our series. And today we arrive at guardian number nine. Now, we call them guardians as opposed to commandments because in the word of God, it never ever says these are the 10 commandments. It always says these are the 10 words of God. Amen. And when you hear commandments, you think, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. It, it has a connotation of a takeaway. But if you look at the context in which God gives these 10 guardrails, these guidelines for living, basically the verse immediately before, I am the Lord your God, you shall not have false gods, it's no other gods, before he even starts, that first verse says, I am the one who made you free. I took you out of bondage. I gave you freedom. Here's how I want you to live. And he gives 10 guidelines. And then after he finishes giving those 10 guidelines, if you keep following what he's saying, he says, and now I want to keep you free. And so, essentially, this is a list of those things that God says to humanity, if you will live like this, I will keep you out of bondage. I will make you free and keep you free. Amen. So we have been looking at the Ten Commandments, at these Ten Guardians. Today we arrive at truthfulness. We've looked at the two tablets. Then uh, basically the first one is love God, and the second one is love others as yourself. God does put parents on that first tablet with himself, uh, <clears throat> so we learn how to love God and love our parents, and then in the rest of it, how to love everyone around us, how to particularly love our spouse. Last week we arrived at the concept of property and property rights, and today, we arrive at perjury and truthfulness. Last week, I did include the verse that explains that there is a curse in the earth released by God on the house of every liar and every perjurer. And that explains why some homes just never, ever go free. We don't lie and we don't perjure. We don't steal and we don't perjure. So... Today's verse comes from Exodus 20:16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So perjury, false witness. The principle in this guardrail is all forms of lying are out of the question. The commandment is expressing the significance and importance of truth and truthfulness as necessary to have quality fellowship with God. It isn't enough to have the truth. It isn't enough to know the truth. You have to do 
the truth. And so I would make a distinction between truth and truthfulness, as they would say, uh, perhaps in uh, having you swear in in the court, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? To be truthful is to be full of truth, and out of the abundance of what's in us, it comes from us. So it's one thing to know the truth, but if your motive is wrong, you can use the truth manipulatively or, or in other evil fashion. God wants truth and truthfulness. These are necessary to fellowship with him. That is, you can have a relationship with God, but if you're not a truth teller, your fellowship is disturbed or broken. There's a difference between being related to God and fellowshipping with him. Amen. Amen. It's like in raising my children, I was always related to them, but I didn't always want to fellowship them. Sometimes I just wanted to smite them. <laughs> Amen. So uh, <clears throat> our principle is, uh, of, of fellowship comes from Revelation 22, 15. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. Scripturally speaking, in the New Testament, you will either love the truth or you will get deceived and love <clears throat> the lie. Amen. <clears throat> the intent of this particular statement goes a whole lot deeper than avoiding false witness, than avoiding something. Basically, God is a God of truth, and as such, he wants us not just to learn to hate lying and dishonesty, he wants us to learn to love the truth. Truth is incredibly important to God. I want to use just a couple of verses from the Gospel of John to signify how important it is. Here in John 14, <coughs> excuse me, 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That makes truth really significant. Jesus' high priestly prayer, John 17, 17, says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. Again, truth is so important to God. And then at his trial before Pilate, John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause was I born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Essentially, Jesus just said, the reason I came was to present the truth. Amen? Amen. And so, very important that we learn to be truth tellers because this commandment uh, will help us do that. It is also designed in such a way as to prevent slander and the corruption 
of justice, the perversion of justice. God put, put it this way in Exodus 23, verse 1. You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. Uh, translation is like, just because you hear a bad report doesn't mean it's true, so don't repeat it. Don't carry it further down the road. Don't pass it on to other people because if it's not true, you are indeed in trouble with God. Amen or ouch will serve well right here. Hallelujah. Amen. God's instruction all through his word should make us absolutely uh, uh, back off every time we think we're being approached by a gossip, by a talebearer, by a slanderer, by an accuser. There is no such thing as justice without truth, without facts that are proven. How many understand a fact is not a truth? A fact is something that can be tested as to whether it is true or false. Come on, I'm going to give you a fact right here. Only half the bathrooms in Moscow have inside plumbing. Can you imagine having to live like that? Now, I just made that up. <laughs> but that's a fact. Somebody help me here. You don't know if it's truth until you test it. Amen? We do not pass on the untested because we don't know if it's truth. Thank you. No justice without everything is established in the mouth of two or more witnesses. And here I will point out uh, something that I have found, and it doesn't matter how qualified you are in this world, I have had to share this with people of great um, uh, wealth or, or great influence, international influence. And that is that you never, ever judge someone based on the content of their message because you are, as a human being, made in such a way that typically you will read content but you will judge intent. They have some nerve, but and then you write them off, and then you tell everybody else how evil they are and the things that they've said to you. You cannot do that. You get the content. If the content seems to be disturbing, the only honest thing to do is make an inquiry and say, please explain to me, what is your intent in sharing this content? Hello? Because so many people are guilty of nothing. But fellowship is broken. Relationships are broken. Marriages, in fact, can break down because people take content 
and judge it for intent. What's important to God is truth and truthfulness. Amen. Exodus 23, verse 6. You shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. That is to say, in this case, God says, if you contribute to the downfall of another person by bearing testimony that you shouldn't have done, you are evil and I am holding you guilty. Amen? I will not justify the wicked, the wicked being the talebearer. God is really serious about truth. In Proverbs chapter 6, he calls untruth an abomination. All lying, all untruth is indeed corrupting. And therefore, to God, it is a great abomination. Amen. In Deuteronomy 19, it says this at 18, and the judges shall make careful inquiry, and indeed, if the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother, so you shall put away the evil from among you. That is to say, if somebody's bearing testimony, they are sowing truth or untruth. If it turns out to be proven that they are sowing untruth, then let punishment fall on their life instead of the intended target of their conversation. And God says, I'm calling that evil and I want it out of my people. Hallelujah. So, words are truly potent. The ones we use and the ones we don't use. That is, I will add in, withholding truth is the same thing as a lie. That's why in court it's, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Withholding truth is considered to be a lie. Believers in God have to seek the truth and love the truth. Leviticus 5 is my uh, text for this. If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. That is to say, if you have information to bring forward to settle a matter, you must bring the information forward to settle the matter because God is after truth. Amen. So, as I say, if I say it, it's so potent, I should be watchful in what I say. I should also be very watchful in what I don't say. Hello? Amen. Leviticus 19, 16, you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. That is, God doesn't want you telling tales about other people. Amen? Amen. 
you never want to join in backbiting, never want to join in critical judgments, never want to join in hearsay, never want to be caught up and suckered into conclusions birthed out of guesswork made by some busybody meddling in other people's affairs, some whisperer. A whisperer in biblical context is one who's in the background quietly sowing poison pellets of strife and discord and disharmony and division. Amen. You don't want any part of these people. I said in the first service, and I repeat, uh, very few people share details with my wife or I about other people because they know we'll slap them silly. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It's like, so we're pr relatively free, and, you know, it's like my home is a non-gossip zone. <clears throat> and so sometimes I will get in trouble, or perhaps my wife will get in trouble because somebody makes a confidence with me. They tell me something, and later on, they ask my wife if she's been praying on the matter. And she looks at them quizzically, like, what are you talking about? And they get angry because we don't care. If you want me to tell my wife, you better tell me I'm supposed to tell my wife. Help me here, people. Hallelujah. Is anything impossible for God? Of course. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. The Word says so, and in fact, only God can, can be all truth. If God were to tell a lie, then he would not be God anymore. Amen. And so, on the other hand, we have Satan, who is the father of lies. There was a bunch of people sneering at Jesus in John chapter 8, and about them, Jesus says in John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. As father of lies, obviously, we would expect the first recorded lie in human history to come directly from Satan. And that comes in Genesis 3 and verses 1 to 5. It says uh, that God, uh, pardon me, Satan told Eve that God was lying to her. It says, Genesis 3, 1, serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Here it comes. Here it comes. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. God absolutely did say 
in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In Hebrew, dying, you will die. You'll die twice, spiritually as well as physically. Anyway, so you will not surely die for now verse 5. Now he's going to explain to Eve why God is lying to her. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is the ongoing deception from hell, the ongoing deception of, of the devil. This is how he comes to you and to me regarding things in life. This is how he comes to humanity because God has given us 10 guidelines, 10 guardians, and when we are tempted to break one, the devil will be whispering, go ahead, no one will ever know. It's just a little white lie. Come on. Amen. We're getting to white lies. I'll be there in a minute. <clears throat> okay? This is his ongoing distraction. But the truth is this. This commandment is much more than not swearing falsely. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Jesus said, I am the truth. We become truth tellers when we get saved. And as we live more and more and more, our word is proven true. Our yes becomes yes. Our no becomes no. We don't have to swear. Our every word is becoming trustworthy. There should be no need to swear, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. That's this particular commandment. Amen. Number nine, thou shalt not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all. Are you, are you getting this? Old Testament, don't swear falsely. New Testament, because we don't live under the law, we live under grace, and Christ in us can live the way God intended for man to live. So because he's in us, we never have to lie. We never have to steal. We never have to covet, etc. Amen? Amen. He says, not swear falsely, perform, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Let your yes be yes. And over time, people will come to learn that when you say yes, you're really going to do it. When you say no, you're really not going to do it. You are a person of your word. Hallelujah. Amen. Whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Up until perhaps 1950, America was still 
a very Christian nation. Not, not, not so much that everybody in the country went to church or was a Christian, but the whole mindset in the country was a Judeo-Christian ethic. And back then, a man's word was his bond. Amen. If he said, I'll do it Tuesday, then he was going to do it Tuesday. You could take it to the bank. Come on. This is not with us any longer. Amen. People don't love the truth. And too often their yes is not yes. It's just a polite, I don't really want to get into a conversation right now, so I'm going to comply and please you with my response. Sure. Yes. Hallelujah. God wants each of us to replace all lying with honesty. We have to start in our hearts. have to start in our thought life. If we're not honest here, if we're not honest here, we're never going to be honest here. Amen? We have to start with an inner honesty so that we can have an outer honesty. And that brings me to that concept of white lies. Many, many people think, well, it's just a white lie, and after all, God doesn't want us to hurt other people. So basically, their, their wisdom is saying, God really didn't know what he was saying when he said, don't lie. There are times, actually, you see, when it is all right to lie. For example, if what I'm about to say is going to hurt your feelings, then I can't say it, so I should lie to you. That is so bogus. Hello? So let's consider white lies. So, what what does a guy do when his wife says, honey, does this dress make me look fat? What is he supposed to say? Let's just say for the moment, bear with me, that it does make her look fat. Is he supposed to say, no, honey, you look terrific? Is that loving her? Is that helping her? Hello? We can't use white lies so as not to offend. We need to call on heaven for wisdom, learn how to be tactful, learn how to speak the truth in love. My wife has asked me that question, and this was when she weighed a great deal more than she does right now, and she would say, honey, does this dress make me, make me look fat? Short answer, yes. But I'm not going to say yes. So I would just look and I would say, it's absolutely not flattering. <laughs> Hello? You, you can learn to speak the truth in love. Amen? Amen. Here's the verse. verse Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him 
who is the head, Christ. We grow as the body of Christ, speaking the truth in love, not hiding the truth in love. Come on. Come on. Pastor Jim uh, sent me something a couple of months ago, and he said, Pastor Walt, I have three questions. I want you to grade me on a score of one to ten. Be absolutely honest. I will not be offended. So anyway, I took his three questions, and I said he asked for honesty. So let me give this an honest assessment. I thought them through, and I gave him three grades. You know, question one, question two, question three. It's what he asked for. Hello? It's what I gave him. And it wasn't a how tactful is my answer. It was just a, you know, a number kind of a thing. Anyway, I sent off my answers to him, and when he got back to me, he said, thank you so much. Those are the exact same grades I gave myself. It's good to know I'm not living in a fantasy land. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Romans 13, verse 8. Oh, no, and anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of of the law. Amen? So when someone asks a question, we speak the truth in love, and we all grow. Amen? It's about loving your neighbor. God intended for my speech and your speech to be encouragement, to be edification, to be instruction to others. And toward God, he intended our speech to glorify him. So, Scripture would put it like this, no longer live like the pagans do, meaning you can't be what you once were. You've, you get changed when you meet Christ, and it starts with your words. So, put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new man who's created in true holiness and righteousness, and folks, you put on the new man, it starts in your mouth. Amen? It does. It starts in your mouth. Now, that does not mean that you get saved on a Sunday morning, and by Monday, all profanity is necessarily gone. Thankfully, that does happen in some cases, but it takes longer for some people's... Uh, 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 the, you know, when you get a lot of earth that's been stuffed down into the well, it, it takes a while for the water flowing out, you know, to carry all the dirt away. Amen? So, yeah, it can take a while sometimes, but there's an immediate shift because these commandments or guardians are no longer written on stone. God has taken out the heart of stone, put in a fleshly heart, and written this code on the tablets of our fleshly, 
our softened heart. We change. Last scripture, and then I want to pray a prayer, a confession with all of us. Isaiah 6, to bring this to closure, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now, this is Isaiah speaking. This is the holiest man on the planet. This is the prophet of God who has might, who has incredible revelations of the coming Christ and his finished work. He's the one who's going to say things like, by his stripes, you were healed. He, he has tremendous insight and revelation. He says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, that is, angels. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. These are holy angels who are, are not wanting to look on a holy God. This is the God Isaiah is seeing, the one the angels won't look at. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. They have touched the earth, and they don't want to bring that earthliness into the presence of God. So they are covering their feet. They are covering their eyes, and with two wings he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Are you getting this? This is an awesome moment. So what Isaiah now says is not surprising. He says, so I said, woe is me. He's looking at this holy God. And he says, woe is me, for I am undone. Why, Isaiah, why? What's wrong? Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Wow. Are you getting this? For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah is terrified he will be smitten dead on the spot because of the holiness of God and the unholiness of his mouth. Then, verse 6, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. This is good news, people. God redemptively says, yes, yes, you are, you are a man of unclean lips, but I am going to touch your life. And then he says, one, your iniquity is taken away. The penalty attached to that is removed. And your sin, the condition of that mouth, is purged. I am changing you 
Isaiah, so that what comes out of your mouth will no longer be from a man of unclean lips. Verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Are you getting this? Isaiah has to be commissioned. This is early in his, his career, chapter 6. He's got to be commissioned, but he can't be commissioned until he's cleansed. God wants to use your mouth. God has commissioned you as a messenger, commissioned you as an ambassador, commissioned you as a minister of reconciliation. He wants to use your mouth, but it's got to be cleansed so that the commissioning is fruitful. I'm going to close with prayer, and here's my recommendation. If you are open to it, would you just take a couple of fingers or your for, for, you know, part of your hand and place it over your lips. That's under the mask, on the, however you see fit. Amen? We are inviting God to cleanse and commission. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to the throne and recognize it's a throne of grace because of the work of Christ. So we come to your throne boldly and confidently. May the truth of God come forth accurately and with love in all of our speaking and ministering to those around us. We ask you, Lord, to anoint each one of us to carry your message in simplicity, with boldness, and with accuracy. We ask, Father, that those who hear will not be able to resist the wisdom and inspiration of Holy Spirit. As your truth is presented, we ask you to cause all who hear to open their spiritual eyes and ears that they might turn from darkness to light. We believe that when we call on you, you answer and show us great and mighty things. We thank you that you are watching over your word to perform it. May each of us, all of us, be true witnesses. May the power and spirit of truth persuade each one who hears us and break down all resistance. May we ourselves not be anxious in what we are to say, knowing that Holy Spirit will teach us in that very hour. May our speech be seasoned with salt. May our mouths utter truth and speak only excellent and princely things. We set a guard over our mouths. O oh Lord, will you please keep watch over the doors of our lips. We thank you, Father, that you have given us a spirit of power over the enemy, of love for others, and of a calm and well-balanced mind of discipline and self-control for ourselves. May we be strong in you and in the power of your might. Thank you for the shield of faith 
that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy, we believe we are increasing in wisdom and in stature and in favor with you, Father, and with man. Lord, equip us this day and send us into tomorrow, enabled in your power, ability, and sufficiency, having qualified each of us and all of us as ministers of reconciliation and dispensers of truth. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.